good to be able to worship with you this morning. And um, we've come to the end of our series called Growing Deeper. And the verse that we have, the passage that we've used as our theme passage over the last few weeks has been this one. And um, before I talk about it, could we read it together? Let's just read loudly through your mask. And uh, here we go. Let's do it together. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. That's long been one of my favorite passages. Maybe it's yours now as well. It's a good one to memorize. It is Christ who gives life to us. And then it is up to us to send our roots down deep into Christ, into the Word of Christ, into His Word, so that we can bear fruit. And over the next few years, we want to address critical things that will uh, help us to do just that. Today we've come to the last of our uh, message in our series, and um, it's related to engaging people. But let me begin this way. Uh, the, most, the wisest person who ever lived next to Jesus was King Solomon, and these are some of his words from Ecclesiastes. He has planted eternity in the human heart, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. Um, a person could be living in the jungles of Indonesia, in, in the coldest city in the world, Yakutsk, Siberia. They could live in a penthouse in New York City, and yet we are all wired the same. God has woven into us this sense of eternity, that there's something more than just this existence. In fact, all of us in the world, doesn't matter who you are, we have the same questions. Where did I come from? Why am I here? How should I live? Where am I going? And as Christians, we know the answer to those questions is found in the person of Jesus Christ. The question of eternal life is found through faith in Jesus Christ. But there are many people around the world who don't understand the message of Christ. But not just around the world. Maybe it's someone in your family, a co-worker, Someone that you thought about as Meg led us in prayer. Those thoughts lead us to the words of Paul written to the Romans that go like this. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? It could be somebody around the world or somebody very nearby, close to you, who does not have an understanding of who Jesus is, has never really understood the message of Christ. And so, that means that we, the church, we have a job to do. So, we've been in this series called Growing Deeper. For the next few years, we're focusing on critical things, and I'll, I'll summarize those at the very end. But today, what we're looking at is the sixth root. Now, I know that says Roman numeral five. It should be six. Just want to be clear. We know our Roman numerals. But we want to engage our neighborhoods, communities, and world. That's what we're talking about. Now, before I get into the strategy of what that looks like, I want to try to answer the question, why? Why would we even be concerned about engaging our neighborhoods, communities, 
and world. And there's a lot of things we could say. I'll just give you a couple of answers to the question, why? And the first one is that our God is a sending God. You can go into the Old Testament and see the story of Abraham, how he's sent to Canaan, and eventually the Israelites sent to the Promised Land, where they are to be a light to the nations. The nations would see how Israel worships God and would be drawn to God. That plan didn't work out so well. He eventually came to Jesus Christ being sent to us from heaven. Jesus was sent. In fact, in the Gospel of John, uh, he is described as sent more than 44 times. In this room, we talk regularly about how to grow in our spiritual lives, how to become more Christ-like, how to become more like Jesus. And of course, we're going to talk about things like love and kindness and patience and so on. But the one that can easily elude us is that we also are sent. Jesus was sent and we are sent. In fact, Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. A critical part of Christian life, of Christian thought, of Christian development is understanding that we are sent people. Where? We'll get to that in a minute. That's one answer to the question, why? Our God is ascending God. Another question, another answer to the question, why, would be this, because the church is an aircraft carrier, not a cruise ship. That's a funny way to say it. It comes from Pastor J.D. Greer, one of our favorite pastors. We, the church, are more like an aircraft carrier, not a cruise ship, which offers Christian luxuries for the whole family, such as entertainment, child care services, and business networking. We show up at church and ask, does the pastor preach funny, time-conscious messages and meet my felt needs? Do I like the music? If the church ever ceases to cater to my preferences, well, there are plenty of cruise ships in the harbor. Interesting way to look at it. Which doesn't mean the church shouldn't be an enjoyable place to attend. Of course, we want this to be a place where, where you want to be and where you want to bring your friends for sure. And if entertainment means keeping your attention, okay, then we're entertaining. We're keeping your attention, hopefully. Uh, but we're not a cruise ship designed to make people feel comfortable only. We are more like an aircraft carrier. He says aircraft carriers equip planes for battle, not in a militaristic sense. We're not going to go drop bombs somewhere. But the church, you and I, we're in the business of search and rescue. We, we are rescuing people. From the enemy. We are all about rescuing men and women, their hearts and souls, with the gospel of Christ. That's what we are about. Now, those are a couple of questions to answer the, a couple of ways to answer the question why. Let's get into some strategy. Just before Jesus ascended into heaven, his very last words, and you know, last words are critical. The very last thing he said to his disciples, said to the church, says to you and me, are these words from Acts chapter 1, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Jesus is leaving and he's saying, I am going to send to you the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, who will empower you, who will give you strength. I'm glad Jesus didn't say, I'm going to heaven, good luck changing the world. No, he gives us the Spirit of God to equip us. But equip us to do, to do what? He goes on. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. We are to be witnesses. What does a witness do? We tell people about Jesus everywhere. We'll get into the everywhere in a moment. 
But that's the job of the third person of the Trinity, to equip us, to strengthen us, to empower us. You know, I'm a pastor, and I should feel comfortable talking about my faith in any setting. I've taught many classes on outreach, but I'll tell you, when I'm around somebody who is a total skeptic, who is maybe hostile toward Christianity, hostile toward Christ, hostile toward Christians, hostile toward the church, I can get tongue-tied. It can be hard to talk about my faith in those particular settings. But Jesus promises that the Holy Spirit will empower us. What does that mean? It means whenever I open my mouth to witness for Christ, to tell about Jesus, even if I mess up my words, God's Spirit has the ability to give strength to my words, and God's Spirit has the ability to convict that person's heart, to draw that person to God. So, in a sense, God is my partner. The Holy Spirit is my partner in ministry, in witnessing, in telling people about Jesus. That's a critical thing. So, we're empowered to speak up for Christ. Where do we do that? Where do we do that? Well, Jesus says in, throughout Judea, or I'm sorry, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, to those to whom he was speaking originally, they, that would have made total sense to them. But what does it mean for you and me, those locations? Let's break it down like this. Jerusalem is our neighbor's. Not necessarily the person living next door to you. Some, some of you live in the country. You don't have a next door neighbor. So it's really anybody within our proximity. Uh, it could be a coworker. It could, some, could be somebody you, work, you exercise with. Somebody you see regularly. A family member. Somebody in your proximity. Um, one of our favorite stories, maybe it's yours too, comes from the book of Esther. Have you read that recently? It, comes just before the book of Job. It's only 10 chapters long. It's the story of this woman, this Jewish woman, who is living in exile with many other Jewish people in, per, in the land of Persia. And there in the land of Persia is King Xerxes. And he chooses this woman named Esther to be his queen. Mordecai is her cousin. And he finds out that the Jewish people are all going to be murdered in the land of Persia. And Mordecai goes to Esther because he knows that she has the ability to speak to King Xerxes. And this is what he says to her. If you keep quiet, Esther, at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. And so she goes. She gets it. She gets it. That she's been put there for such a time as this. And she goes and speaks to King Xerxes. And the plan to kill the Jewish people is foiled. For such a time as this. I think about that. I think about you. I think about me. You are who you are for such a time as this. You have different passions than I, different abilities than I, different personality, different experiences, different giftings. We're all different for such a time as this. And you where are where you are for such a time as this. You live on the street you live on for such a time as this. You work where you work. You shop where you shop. You exercise where you exercise. You are in the family you are in 
for such a time as this. Have you ever thought about that? That God has strategically, sovereignly placed you right where you are for such a time as this. Somebody once asked the question, when is the church most effective? And we think, well, the church is most effective when they're all gathered together in this room and we're singing and worshiping and we're hearing God's message. No, the church is most effective when the lights are off, the chairs are empty, and the cars are gone. When you are out there with your neighbors, those with whom you have some proximity for such a time as this. Well, Jesus goes on and talks about Judea. That could equal our community. Now, Jerusalem was a city that was in a region called Judea, a broader community called Judea. We, we sit here in this locale, and we have another one in Norwalk, another one in Port Clinton, in several cities, in a broader community, and we are responsible for those communities. I want to ask you a question that I first heard from a man named Eric Swanson. He wrote several books on being an externally focused church. I had the privilege of sitting under his teaching. And this is the question he asked. If your church disappeared, would your community notice? What do you think? If the chapel did not, was not here, would, the, would our community even notice that? Would it? That's a good question. Shouldn't we have a footprint in our community in some way? Now, just because we can't do everything doesn't mean we can't do something. We can't do everything, but we can do some things. So the chapel, we, we, we've decided many years ago to find ministry partners in our communities. Ministry partners who do what the, the chapel cannot do or cannot do nearly as well. And so over in Port Clinton, for example, we're connected with Bistro 163. It's a, it's a pay-it-forward restaurant to help people who face food insecurity. We're tied with a ministry over there called Lighthouse Sober Living, helping people recover from various addictions. And I could go on. In Norwalk, we're connected with Abigail Pregnancy Services, helping, helping to preserve the lives of little children and helping young mothers and fathers. We're tied to Love Norwalk, connected with other churches, trying to bless Norwalk in very practical ways, but also conveying the message of Christ. We're tied to uh, answering the call together, ACT, ACT. And they go and they help build wheelchair ramps and other very practical things for homes. But in the name of Christ, I could go on. Here in Sandusky, I love the fact that we're tied to the Nehemiah Center downtown at the old uh, Campbell School. This past fall, the director there resigned. We were devastated. What are we going to do now? And then God brought us a young man and his wife, Chris and Sarah Summers. I want you to meet them sometime. He's been trained in inner city ministry. This is what he wants to do. He is our new director, and things are taking off as we try to bless these little kids and their families downtown. They need volunteers, by the way. You know, just the other night in this room, right here in this room, in circles, big circles, you know, social distancing, there, there were 55 seventh graders, kids selected by their principals from all the area schools in this county. And also with them were high school students who were serving as mentors. And for six weeks, they're going to gather in this room on Thursday nights to talk about leadership. That's what we get to do. The other night, they were listening to Tyson Gentry. Do you know the name? 
played football for the Buckeyes and became a quadriplegic through a terrible accident, but has given his life to Christ. And now he he talked to them about mental toughness and focusing your life on Christ. Such a privilege to be involved in the community that way. Now, those are a few examples. Next month, we're kicking back up our curbside carryout. We kind of put it into hibernation for a while with COVID, but next month, bring in groceries here, and then we take the groceries out to the various food outlets in our community. Every year, we do warming the homeless. We didn't do it this year because of COVID, but we do that every year. Piles and piles of warm clothes to give to our community. Love doing that. You know, today, by the way, happy Valentine's Day. God loves you. Later on today, we're different staff at our, at our three different campuses. We're delivering gifts to widows out in our community and widowers. And by the way, if you happen to be one of those widows or widowers who said you'd rather have your gift here at the church, they're available for you at the Welcome Center right after the service. So please go out there. Isn't that great to be a part of that? We'd love for you to be a, 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 a volunteer in any of the ministries I just talked about, either inside these walls or outside these walls, blessing our communities. What would it be like? Would the, would the church, would the chapel even be missed if we were not here? If we didn't have a footprint in our communities? I hope that's not true. I love the fact that we have a COVID relief fund and we're still helping people and groups survive through these difficult times. Some of you are blessing the community just simply by serving on a board somewhere, being a coach somewhere, in healthcare somewhere, in your job, just out there in the community, doing what you've been called to do to bless our community in the name of Christ, being salt and light. Thank you for that. So, Jerusalem, our neighbors, Judea, our communities. But Jesus goes on. And talks about Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That means our world. Let's talk about Samaria for a minute. When Jesus said, and you should be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he said Samaria, the disciples must have thought, are you kidding me? Because none of the Jewish people liked the Samaritans, the people from Samaria. They hated them. They looked different. They believed differently. They acted differently. We're not going to go there. And yet, as soon as the church was given birth and began to grow in Jerusalem, the very first place they went after Jerusalem was to Samaria, Acts chapter 8. Isn't that cool? What would be our Samaria? It would be people who maybe look different, act different, believe differently than us. One of the things we do every year, although this past year, because of COVID, it was difficult. But do you know, every summer, the world comes to us. Students from around the world get these things called J-1 visas, and they come and work at Kalahari and Cedar Point and Gray Wolf Lodge and other places in this area. And we try to connect those students who look different, believe different, maybe act different, with our church. So you can give them that, you know, all-American hot dog, apple pie experience, but also show them the love of God expressed through Christ. Isn't that cool? I'm hoping really soon we can partner with a minority church here in this area 
and do something good for people who are hurting. Maybe you know somebody near you who politically is different than you, looks different from you, acts different than you. And yet, because Christ came to you and showed you grace, you can do the same and do that for them. They are your Samaria. Let's talk about the world for a minute. When I say the world, it's sort of like across the oceans. In Scripture, when you read the word nations, like God will bless all the nations, nation literally means people group. In the world today, there are 17,740 different people groups. Now, a people group is a unique ethno-linguistic group. That's a big term. That just means they speak a different language and have a different custom. 17,740 different people groups in the world. 42% of them do not have a viable church to help them know the message of Jesus Christ. And I'm so glad that we get to be a part of reaching some of those unreached people groups in the world. Just because we can't do everything doesn't mean we can't do something. We are doing some things. For example, in Burundi, we have the opportunity to come alongside a ministry there to reach the Batwa people, the, the least in that society, who have very few have a viable church to tell them about Christ. I'm so glad we get to be in India. We're partnered with two different ministries, helping Hindus, a very complex and a very cruel religion, understand the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm so glad we're partnered with missionaries in Mexico. We think of Spanish there, but it's not all Spanish. There are indigenous populations, and this one missionary couple is translating the Bible into their indigenous language of Zapotec. We're partnered with Send International Ministry, who specializes in sending missionaries to unreached people groups around the world. And this past November, we introduced you to this couple, Dan and Sarah Stelzer, who will be traveling soon, as soon as the borders let them through because of COVID, into a country in Central Asia. I can't even tell you the name of the country or city because of security reasons, but they will be living there as missionaries. And I'm very excited about this, not this coming summer, but the next summer, 2022, we hope to send a multi-campus young adult team over to serve with them for a short period of time, teaching college students there the the English language, but using that as an opportunity to also tell them about Jesus. Jesus says, you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. So, we want to engage our neighborhoods, our communities, and our world. That's what Jesus said. Those those are his last words. One day, Jesus will come again and every knee will bow. But between this day and that day, we as a church, we have a job to do. And that brings us to the very end of our Growing Deeper series, where we've talked about The very first week, building a culture of family. We are brought into the family of God through faith in Jesus alone. Then we talked about becoming like Jesus. What would that look like? What would your life look like if Jesus lived your life, if he were you? We're going to be talking more about that. Equipping the next generation over the next few years. 
what can we do to fight against the statistics that say young adults leave Christ, leave the church? What can we do to, to, to uh, fight against that? Uh, cultivating healthy relationships. What would that look like for us to really love one another? Gaining financial wisdom. What would that look like to understand that God is truly the owner? And how can I be the very best manager of his resources I can possibly be? And then engaging our neighborhoods, communities, and world. It would be hard to call ourselves a church if we're not serious about that sixth one. When you came in, you received one of these little round handouts. It says growing deeper on one side. And the other side are the six roots that we're going to be focusing on over the next few years. Would you put this somewhere in your bathroom, in your kitchen, in your car, somewhere where you see it regularly and just pray for us? Keep us in prayer this way that we would be the kind of church that is, that, that, that is marked by these very things. Right? Next week we begin a new series. Just a few, just a few weeks. 21 days of fasting and prayer. Prayer. I had somebody the other night just said to me, I don't, I don't really understand prayer. Well, we're going to be talking about it. If you don't understand prayer, you may not understand fasting. What's that about? We're going to get into all of that. It starts next week. But as a prelude, let's pray right now, and let's pray regarding our vision of growing deeper. Join me, please. And now, God, thank you that we can come to you in prayer you want to hear from us, it's just talking with you. Would you help us to be the kind of church you have called us to be? You're the one who has given us life. Give us wisdom now to send our roots down deep into your word that we may have the kind of lives, that we could be the kind of tree, the kind of church marked by the fruit that you desire. Please help, God. We, we give this to you. We ask for your favor now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good to worship with you, and uh, I think we're being dismissed from the, from the rear, so just stay seated for a moment. Thank you.